This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Here we are once again. Hello, Scoop Podcast faithful. It is episode 156 being recorded on the 26th of June, late Tuesday morning. We will go Wolf-centric on this podcast. I recently caught up with the Middlestap brothers who committed to Bob Motzko and the Gophers. I have some other bits, some other high school conversations, catching up with Tyler Wall, who just committed to Wisconsin, told Richard Patino and the Gophers no, caught up with Maya Naji, soon to be ninth grader at Hopkins High School. She recently got an offer from Lindsey Whalen and the Gophers, also has a Badgers offer, soon will have an Ohio State offer and a Baylor offer. So I will plug in those conversations over the next few weeks. My hope is before I take off for a vacation to record one more podcast right before NBA free agency begins with some late steam. But I certainly have a little bit of free agency steam here. But we will eat up a majority of this podcast with a conversation with one of our favorites, David Thorpe, NBA skills coach, longtime worker with Corey Brewer, Kevin Martin, Joe Kim Noah, and a number of other players, renowned speaker, speaks at a lot of basketball clinics, former ESPN analyst. He was a fixture on a lot of the ESPN programming, still does some podcasting with ESPN. It was his choice to leave there, not them parting ways with him. He just he has a very busy life because he is so good at what he does, but he's always nice enough to carve out some time for us. I wanted to have him on, and we'll have a very centric conversation about Wings. The Wolves are still after a wing in free agency. Now a wing can have loose meaning, especially with the idea that Tom Thibodeau wants to go more small ball next year. We saw it in the playoffs, but Jimmy Butler playing a good amount of the four, or at least more four, than he played last year. But that's not to say that the Wolves couldn't come up with somebody in free agency that has some position flexibility that can play the three and the four. But I think we're talking more two slash three but heck if they swing and miss on some guys and they end up with let's say Seth Curry Seth Curry can play on the ball as well so wing has a bit of a loose meaning but they're looking for some shooting they certainly like guys that have position flexibility I think we can key in on a lot of guys that can play both the two and the three or if it's just the two then that two is a really good shooter And I have some specific intel on a couple guys after the conversation with David. But let's start with David. I just want to pick his brain on the Avery Bradleys of the world, Trevor Ariza, go up and down the list, Wayne Ellington, Joe Harris, any number of available wings that the Wolves can chase here come Saturday night. Let's get to David. David, it's always a pleasure to catch up. Before we get to some specifics on some wing types that are available for the Wolves, how about in general terms, how much, you know, we're talking here on late Tuesday morning, free agency, I guess, technically starts on what, late Saturday night, but how much groundwork has already been laid? I mean, from what you can gather, your experiences, how much free agent work, you know, I mean, heck, if you want to use the word tamper, you know, how much of that stuff is already happening days before the, you know, official start of free agency? I mean, I, I wouldn't call it tampering. I think that there's due diligence being done uh, all the time. I think that basically with the top players, that's where most of the work has to be done first because until those big pieces move, the rest of the league just kind of has to sit and wait. There obviously are exceptions. Uh, for guys that are going to stay home with their current team, 
it isn't necessarily the case that they have to wait to see who else signs. Uh, and, and there might be, you know, more or less promises of, hey, as long as we sign this other guy, we're going to want to bring you back. But you're still in limbo. So I would say for the majority of the league, there really isn't that much being done. Uh, the, the, the teams act like they want everyone. Oh, we're, we're considering you. But they're just being nice. They don't, they don't know until they find out where the big pieces go. They don't really know what they can do. Now, is it a bit different this year just in terms of, I mean, how many teams total have real cap space? I mean, we're talking who? I mean, Indiana, Phoenix. I mean, it's a, it's a short list. So does that change things maybe this summer compared to other summers? Well, no question it does. It also means there's going to be a lot of one-year deals. Uh, there's going to be a lot of guys that, that uh, don't really have an option, a lot of teams. They don't have options, and they're going to want to get into the much more looks like cash-rich summer of 2019, you know, a year from now. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be weird. We're going to see a lot of guys moving around for a year, uh, you know, and then we'll see how that plays out one more year going forward. But yeah, this is I don't think you'll see a lot of big deals um, this coming next few weeks. How much of a wake-up call will it be for some guys? Like I imagine, and heck, I, I more than imagine guys like Will Barton, Contavious Caldwell, Pope. I mean, they think they're worth more than the mid-level. But I think a lot of these guys are going to be, I don't know, I mean, wake-up call, however you want to term it. But but I'm telling you, I think a lot of these guys who think they're worth more than the mid-level are going to discover that they're only getting the mid-level, which still isn't bad, but I don't think they're going to get more than the mid-level. Right. And so I, I think it's just the, the vagaries of the market in a sense. It, it's just the way business works sometimes. It doesn't matter what your value is in a vacuum. It, it matters what your value is in the reality of the market. And uh, their agents are going to be challenged with this. They're either going to say, hey, let's just sign the best deal we can, and we, if we think we're worth more, oh, well. But if you do that, you run the risk of maybe being fired. On the other hand, if you convince a client, hey, let's just do a one-year deal and let's test the market next year. Well, now you got to – I would describe it as an agent with a lot of these players. It's like, it's like uh, trying to break a wild horse. Uh, they just want to stay on on the ride for as long as they can till they get paid. And it's because players fire agents more frequently than they probably should. And so what happens is the agents don't always give their players the best advice. Uh, and so when it may make sense to wait a year before you, uh, uh, you know, sign a longer-term deal, some of these agents may feel like, hey, I want to get paid right now because I don't know if I'll still represent this kind of year. And those are the realities of the situation. But I agree with your, your general assessment. Uh, I, everyone thinks they're worth more than what they really are. I, I, I've heard so many different stories over the years from teammates of players that I've trained, and, and these players say they're, they're going to get X, but they, they settle for X minus a lot of million because it's just the value's not there. All right, let's get some specifics from you on, on a number of the wing players that, that the Wolves can chase in no particular order. I like Avery Bradley. I mean, if you told me, hey, the Wolves can land anyone – I would put Avery Bradley now. I'm presuming health, but but I like Avery Bradley as much as anyone that's available for the mid level. I like I like him very much too. Uh, uh, you when you look at what Minnesota needs, and you may know better than me, uh, just because you're right there, and I've not studied it too much recently. But I think of three things: they, they should be an elite defensive team, and they haven't been, mm-hmm. uh, and that goes to a wholly different discussion. You can bring in guys that. Should be good defenders, but if, if the system is broken, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I think they should be playing much faster. I think Wiggins is, 
has been horribly developed there in the last few years. Mm-hmm. He's going backwards. He, he's probably the fastest player in the league. Uh, should be an amazing finisher at the rim and, and should be a constant threat uh, because of that speed, which opens up other things. And they should shoot a lot more threes. So those, those three things. So when you, when you factor in an Avery Bradley, okay, he doesn't slow you down. He's a, he's a very good athlete. Uh, I think he's a solid shooter, especially when he's in the right spot. And he's been a plus defender before. So he, he kind of checks every box for them. I think that is, I don't know how much more of that we'll see next year, but I think we will see, David, more of that. I mean, the buzz that I've heard is they're going to play Jimmy Butler more at the four. So if you have Butler at the four, we saw that some in the playoffs against yeah. Houston. That means Taj is sitting on the bench a bit more. But if Jimmy's playing the four, Carl Anthony Towns is playing the five. I mean, you could go Wiggins at the three, Bradley at the two, and Teague, or you name the point guard at the one. Yeah. I mean, that lineup could play very fast, I think. Yeah, it can and will are two different things, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, um, I remember, you know, this is going back some years, but when you guys had Kevin Love and Corey Brewer, you know, those home run passes with Corey, mm-hmm. uh, Wiggins is incredibly fast. And, uh, and, and now his motor isn't the same as Corey's, but I also don't think there's been a priority placed on that value or valuing making those kinds of buckets where you don't even have to run an offense. Uh, I, I, I saw Wiggins going back to high school. I, I thought he had a chance to be a real star, and it looked like he was making progress, and he just kind of fell so – it was really bad last year mm-hmm. uh, for too much of the season. And if I don't know the young man, but if I did and was working with him, the first thing I would talk about isn't shooting. The first thing I'd say is I, we'd study tape, and i tell him there are four to eight points per game just for being the fastest guy in the court, but you have to race – to do it, just because you are the fastest guy on paper means nothing. Race, race, race. Study the opportunities when they are there, and then you have to make sure you have players that will actually throw them the ball in those situations. How do you strike the balance, though, of you want Wiggins to play you know, stout defense, but then, yeah, you want him to have that first step where he's getting down the court. How do you communicate to him, hey, we still need – you know, and heck, it's not like he's a good defender right now, but you want him to play good right. defense. He's got the length. He's got the attributes you'd want in a in a good defender. How do you convince him, okay, here's the way to play defense, but you can also take that first step the opposite way and beat everybody down the court? Well, I mean, that's what the best players in the world do. And I, I think where I think where they've gone amiss with him a little bit, and he and he to blame as much as anyone, is he I, he just wants to be a scorer and he just isn't good enough to be just a scorer. There aren't many that are. It's really hard to do. And, and yet, he has these abilities. He should be an elite. He really should be an elite defender. Uh, Minnesota is one of the worst transition teams in the league in terms of total points. And he should be one of the leaders in that and, and spark his team. Uh, I think he's an interesting matchup in the post. And that's where his scoring comes from. But not good enough where if he, if he doesn't become a plus player with other areas, He's just never going to be an all-star. And, and you've got to just really sell him on that. And, and the coaching staff has got to come up with different ways to help him be a better all-around player because he just isn't going to be good enough as, as an elite scorer to, to move the needle enough. One final point on Bradley. Does this matter at all? He changed representation. I mean, you mentioned it, guys. Change agents all the time. Now, yeah. in his case, Rob Palenka, his original agent, gets the Lakers GM job. So... 
You know, he was in flux anyway, but he goes then to Brandon Rosenthal, but then changes agents in like January or February to Leon Rose. Now, Leon Rose is incredibly tight with Tom Thibodeau. Tibbs is a creative arts agency guy. Leon Rose has Carl Anthony Towns. How much influence do you think an agent has? Like if Avery Bradley has all these mid-level offers, let's say he's got four, five, six mid-level offers. Can the agent, do you think the agent has any say in, okay, Avery, you know, I got my guys there in Minnesota. I know all about Minnesota and help convince a guy, whether it's Minnesota or you name the location, convincing a guy where to go. Do you think an agent has that much influence? I don't at all. Uh, there are exceptions. Uh, the, the, the best voice of an agent is money. And so if you eliminate that uh, edge, in other words, if the offers are the same, then uh, that's really all the agent can do. The player's got to get comfortable with the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, conversations with the coach, conversations with guys on the team. You know, Avery's been in the league a long time now. He, he certainly knows a lot. Uh, one of the things working against Minnesota is, is the reputation of, of the head coach and, and just grinding guys to the ground. Correct. I just don't think anyone but Jimmy Butler would ever say to, to anyone, hey, it's great to play here. I just don't think that's going to be the case. And so if money isn't a factor, they're going to struggle to sign anyone, in my opinion, when they can out overpay or, or, I'm sorry, not overpay. When they can offer more than someone else, that's a different story. But if they can't, I think it's, and I don't know who else is looking at Avery, but then it becomes a problem other than the potential for fit. So uh, can I play, if it's the same offer of years and money, fit me a little bit less. If it's, if I could be a free agent in two years and, and be a starter on a playoff team, whereas if I go somewhere else on the backup of a, of a better team, well, that's a different argument. You, as an agent, you want to give your player options. Uh, you, obviously, you want the options to be as good as possible. Um, in Avery's case, I mean, the guy has some success in the past. He knows what a good franchise looks like. Uh, he, you know, this last year was kind of a mess for him. Uh, Minnesota's got some stability, uh, with it, with his being there for a while and everything, but it's not, it's not going to be an easy sell because the reputation on the league isn't great. No, I'm with you on that. I mean, it won't be an easy sell. I mean, another tentacle to all this, David, is the thought that Jamal Crawford, Ops out of four and a half million. He's not getting four and a half million dollars on the open market now. Jamal's made well over one hundred million dollars in his career, so it's not like yeah. it's not like he needs the money. But Jamal is friends with everybody, so presumably some of these free agents, maybe a lot of them, maybe all of them, if they're considering a Minnesota mid-level offer, I think they'll reach out to Jamal. And I'm just telling you, I mean, Jamal couldn't get out of here any faster. I think there are some things he liked about Minnesota as a whole living here, some of his teammates. But I can just tell you, David, he had no interest in playing for Tibbs another season. So I will tell you this. I've coached a lot of players that have spent time in Minnesota, maybe a half a dozen or more, and certainly a lot more than that that have, that have uh, uh, played games there and everything. I mean, obviously, being an NBA player, you visit there frequently. I've never once had a player not love living in Minneapolis. I've never once had a player didn't like playing for the franchise, even when the fans uh, didn't come out in full the way they do in some other places, for good reason. Uh, I've never once had a player, ever, never once have I had a player, no matter where it was from, complain about the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the, the, the adults who are married and or about to have children or have children uh, absolutely love Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. The only complaint I've ever had about Minneapolis has been 
uh, two things. Uh, I, they, I've had players complain sometimes about lack of an imaginative management ownership group, and um, and then more recently, you, know, uh, uh, you have a head coach who just isn't at all fun to play for in a in a league where they have lots of options of playing for for guys that, that are fun to play for. Yeah, I mean, I can't dispute either. I mean, the ownership isn't changing anytime soon, and Tibbs will be here for at least another year. He's got three years left on his contract. Now, the word is that the Tibbs here, I mean, we never see this because he doesn't let the media in at all. Now, my comeback to that is at least he treats all of us the same. Like, none of us have a relationship (laughs) with Tibbs. So it's not like he picks out his favorites in the media, but there is some some behind-the-scenes buzz that this past year, even his first year here, that he eased up a little bit, that practices aren't the grind that they were in Chicago, you know, things like that. But then you watch the games where we have the visual of Tibbs. He's still a maniac at times on the sideline. So I don't know exactly how to strike that balance because I hear that, that, okay, practices aren't a grind. He gives guys more time off than ever before. But everything we see in-game is an absolute grind, you know? But but I wonder if, if the word is out there, David, to some degree, that Tibbs has changed at least a little bit from his Chicago days. Oh, that, that's not at all what I hear. Um, although I think it's a mis- – I, I don't think it's the best way to compare is Tibbs to Tibbs, and that's what you're doing. I think the better way to do it is Tibbs compared to what's out there. And and that's where he okay. he loses spectacularly. That's he, that's I'm not fair. arguing with you that he isn't as as grinding, whatever word you want to use, as he once was. I'm only arguing it doesn't matter when you you just compare him to what else is out there. The play, you know, this is we see this all the time, Darren. I know you know this very well. Uh, I I happen to like this. Others don't. But this is a this is a small country club in a sense mm-hmm. of of mostly very wealthy young men who are incredibly skilled and talented at their craft and very, very ambitious and, and willing to put in the work for that, for the, for those skills and their craft and their career. And, uh, they've been playing against each other for 15 plus years in some cases. And I don't mean in the NBA, I mean, starting in fifth grade national AAU and so forth. The, there, there is a bond between many of them. And so they talk as I think they should. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the word is just he's just not a fun guy to play for. Their, their style of play isn't fun. Their practices aren't fun. Their hours of grinding through tape isn't fun. Uh, he, he, just is, he just wears you down. Now, had Minnesota finished top four, and I'm not blaming Tibbs for their finish. They had to do with injuries. But had they finished top four and maybe got to the Western Conference Finals and, and been this exciting story, I think there's a different argument. But when you don't have that and all that's all you're left is with, hey, we're hoping to make the playoffs again next year and you gotta go through all this, it's it's just a tough sell. That's plenty fair. Okay, we'll go pretty quick here. I want to get your take on a number of other yeah. wings besides Avery Bradley. Will Barton. Yeah, I, so he he's a guy, he ended up being better than what I think I initially had projected for him and Denver deserves some credit for that. But again, I, I, so when you ask me these players, I will always look at it from three standpoints. What, what can they do ultimately defensively? Can they be an average defender or a plus defender? Cause either one is great, uh, for what Minnesota needs. Can they, can they really help them in transition? And can they, can they help them from the perimeter? And Barton is a guy that, that checks all those boxes again. 
All right, Tyreek Evans, because I could talk to you for two hours. So we'll just go boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Tyreek Evans. I don't, I don't love him for – he doesn't help you play faster. Uh, uh, he's, he's not a guy that's going to be a plus defender or maybe even average defender. He is a great bucket getter. But I just think – I actually was so excited with Tariq's progress this year uh, as a shooter in Memphis, so excited. But uh, I, I don't know if I can trust it because it's kind of been up and down. But let's, let's say he can't help them in shooting. I just think the slow – the way he wants to play – does not help riding Minnesota needs to go. But, yes, he definitely is a he's an upgrade offensively for what they have. Joe Harris. Hmm. I'm a big Joe Harris fan. Yeah, uh, he, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't check the transition box, but uh, I thought he was uh, a much better player than he was rated coming out of college. Uh, very good shooter, really tough kid, big fan of his. And I think he could be at the very least an average defender. He's a willing defender. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. He definitely helps them in spots, but but I, if you can't get someone that checks all three boxes, he checks two. Contavious Caldwell Pope. A little bit of a uh, – he's been an underachiever. I, I was a fan of his coming out of Georgia. Uh, I don't think he checks, but maybe one box. He's not the transition guy or the defender, although he could be. And he, he's a long, strong, powerfully built guard that looked like a professional shooting guard. Watching him play last year in L.A., I, I, and of course it was a weird situation there, but he, I'd rate him a little lower than, than, uh, than Harris even. Wayne Ellington. <laughs> you guys know all about Wayne Ellington. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm Wayne Ellington, I do nothing but stick with what's made me good. Agree. He was pretty much heading out of the league and, uh, I'd, I'd go right back to, to Eric Spolcher if I could. Yep. Um, I, yeah, he's, he's, I think he checks one box for you just this year. And I'm with you. I mean, I, I would be shocked if if he left Miami. I just I really would. And I know they have some cap issues, but I actually don't what, think what, Wayne Ellington What, what money do you team. have? What, can you, what do you have to spend? The mid-level. Yeah. And I just I, I don't think he's I don't think he's leaving I don't think he's leaving Miami to come back to Minnesota I just I don't but he's on a on a lengthy list of guys that are available so I figured yeah. I'd throw him out there yeah. but I I yeah. don't see Wayne Ellington here all right how about right. Jeremy Grant huge fan he checked two boxes and maybe the third as a shooter uh, Jeremy's another guy that I thought I actually thought he should have been a first round pick like I thought Joe Harris should have been. Uh, uh, one of the best athletes we have in the league, an absolute rim protector at three positions on the court, an improved shooter, a great cutter. Sam Hinkie, after him initially in Philly, was telling me, like one of the greatest kids of all time, like the kind of kid you want your son to be like and your daughter to marry, just just a perfect kid. And, and talking to Corey Brewer in Oklahoma City with him last year, he was saying the same thing, that the kid just, he just loves to compete. If he goes to the right team, I think I think Jeremy he's not gonna ever be an all star, but I think he can I can I think it's starting this league and certainly be a very important player off the bench and would be a nice upgrade for Minnesota. Speaking of Corey, Corey. Yeah, you know, Corey actually is heading here tomorrow. Um uh, what I what I loved about what Corey did this year in Oklahoma City is and you can track this metrically they just played faster. He just raced. He is exactly what Wiggins should be doing. Uh, as I said, he, he just competes so hard. And you know what? When he got to Oklahoma City, he shot well. Uh, Corey knows he's got he's to really lock in on a three-point shooting going forward so he can play another five or six years. He still has just the hottest motor. 
and he definitely changes the way he seems to fend and race. Uh, and I talked to Corey about like some of the favorite places he's played at and lived. I mean, he, he would move to Minneapolis in a second. And he's getting married in August. He would bring his wife and son there. And, and uh, in fact, I'll be at his wedding in Los Angeles. And uh, I think he'd love it there. I, luckily for him, he's got some teams that are calling that, that, that have some similar interests. And obviously, OKC is a team that's interesting. You guys might have more money to spend, and you know him well. But, again, if Minnesota – they just can't be one of the last teams in the league in pace, transition points, mm-hmm. three-point attempts. I just If they're going to make significant progress, it's got, you've got to bring in people that can get them there. Thibodeau's not going to change his coaching style so much. It's got to be the players making it happen. And like I said, at Oklahoma City, uh, they lost Robertson. They were really struggling. Corey came in, immediately started starting, and they won six straight games, and they just played so much faster and it made a big difference. And sometimes you can't help but play fast with guys like him flying up and down. Trevor Ariza. Yeah, he's not the transition player he once was, but I do think he checked two boxes for sure uh, in that he shoots and defends. And I've become a very, very big Trevor Ariza fan. He's a total professional, uh, knows his role. When you think about who's on that team with Wiggins, Butler and Towns, and I realized they could make a deal for with Wiggins. Ariza is used to playing with superstars, and it doesn't affect his game. Yeah, he'd be a nice get for you guys. Gerald Green. Pass. <laughs> so I'll say pass. <laughs> he doesn't need the ball. I mean, he just stands there. I mean, on a team that has guys that need the ball a lot, he can just stand in the corner and make threes. Does he check that box at least? Oh, no, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying check boxes, but I just he, – he, he's got such a checkered pass that – uh, I don't know the Minnesota. I, I think the other guys you can get, in my opinion, that, uh, that, that aren't coming with any kind of downside plus. I don't know how well, like, like Corey Brewer and some of the other guys you mentioned, Joe Harris, they can handle Thibodeau. No question in my mind they can handle Coach Thibodeau and how he goes through things. I don't at all know that how Gerald Green would handle it. Maybe, maybe he could. But you've got to, you've got to be so thick-skinned. Uh, to play for that guy and not have it impact you in a negative way. And I'm not convinced that Gerald can be that guy. That's why I said pass. Rudy Gay. Yeah, same thing, pass. Uh, uh, if, you're, if you're in Minnesota, I get the idea of looking at a one-year thing, um, uh, potentially, uh, uh, just to see what else is out there in another year. But uh, I also think that he doesn't move the needle enough to – to, you know, that when I talk about defense and I talk about transition, what is the common denominator there, Darren? It's motor. And I just don't think Rudy's got it, and I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to suffer Coach Thibodeau at all. Uh, I, I don't think he'll, you, you're not going to impress him with the amount of money you're paying him. Uh, his role is going to be so impressive. I just think you'll get a discontented Rudy Gay. He's a pretty, pretty talented player. Anthony Tolliver, the Wolves went after him last summer. I mean, he can make threes. Yeah, so when you when you go through this list there and you start ranking in terms of priority, I, I would he'd be on the list because again, anyone that can make threes should be on the list. Uh, he, the other two boxes don't work for him, and uh, so he'd be he'd be on the lower level. All right, and I'll leave you with this one. I, I don't think JJ Redick is an option. So how about Seth Curry? Yeah, I, I know his story a little bit. Uh, when he was in the in the D League back then, uh, one of his assistant coaches was uh, like a 12, 13 year assistant for me. So I, I I knew he was making some progress when when he was in the D League before he, he made the jump with, with the Kings in Dallas. Um, 
Yeah, he'd be low on my list. A guy that, that should be a good shooter, doesn't really check the other boxes well. Uh, if Minnesota strikes out, I, let's put it this way. Here's maybe the best way to look at it. If you can't get somebody that checks three boxes, you look at two. And if you can't get someone to check those two, you look at one. And and if you have to rank priority of boxes, to me, three-point shooting would probably rank first. I would agree. And so mm-hmm. Yeah, so Curry, Curry would at least get some looks there. But uh, they, I think they could land a better player than him. And then I'll leave you with this. What are your thoughts on Nemanja Bialica? The Wolves do have his bird rights, but I can almost guarantee you that Glenn Taylor doesn't have an interest in, in going into the luxury tax. And, heck, if I were Glenn, I don't blame him when you really haven't done much. To me, you go into the luxury tax when you're in the cusp of a championship. And they might have to go into the luxury tax a year from now when they think about, you know, if they can if they can sign Jimmy Butler long-term, certainly giving Carl Anthony Towns the max. So depending on, I think, the offer sheet that Bielitsa gets, and you know, I think you extend him the qualifying offer, but I guess that's a question too. But but what are your thoughts on Nemanja Bielitsa? And if he gets, let's say he gets a three- or four-year deal for the mid-level, would you match if you're the Wolves? Well, so you, you already kind of mentioned it with um, with the money part of it, because you have to be willing to to spend some money uh, on debt. Uh, the Warriors, being the Warriors, were able to spend no money on debt because their talent is so high at the top end that they just got a bunch of guys and, and they loaded up on bigs and people weren't really sure why, and, and now we kind of see why they did, uh, all making no money. Uh, Minnesota, I mean, he played, I think, in, I think one of your last games, he, you know, he played three minutes. I think he played in the mm-hmm. Houston series less than 10 minutes three times. Yep. Um, so, you, you know, you can't be that valuable of a guy unless you're just, unless you're willing to spend for that depth. I thought he'd be better as a player. Um, this goes to the, 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 the overarching idea of how important the franchise is for the development of their players. And they, they, you, you've had too many guys, I think, who just didn't make the progress that a lot of us thought they should. And that, to me, I, I look at the franchise for that. So, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, my guess is your coach doesn't really believe in him, and it's, it's probably going to wor- get worse. Not better. He's thirty years old, I think, and mm-hmm. you, you may just be prepared to let him go. I mean, frankly, if you're Bielitsa, I think you welcome the opportunity to get the heck right. out of here. I think uh, you can. I think there's something right. there. I really do. But I, I think do. he's better off elsewhere. He doesn't want to be back here. I guess is what I'm saying. In an I ideal think you're world, you're exactly right. You know, if he gets the right offer, I think he would love for the Wolves to not match it, and he says his goodbyes. And he's another guy who, by the way, loves living here. I mean that that speaks to what you were saying. I think a lot of guys really like it here. Everyone likes living here. Not a lot of guys. Like I've plus. never heard of anyone ever yeah. complain about it. They, it's when you think when you think about quality of life, uh, Minneapolis pretty much checks every box. It's mm-hmm. actually a fun place to be. Uh, if you if you're young enough and want to go out, the downtown area is great. Uh, it's beautiful. It's very safe, and that's a very important factor for for these players when they're. I mean, they're. If you're married with kids, it's obvious why you want safe. But man, they, these guys all bring their moms and dads out, and brothers and sisters, and and family, and they, they want to they want to know their families in a, in a great environment. Minneapolis just checks all those boxes perfectly, uh, and and it's easy to get around. You know, you guys practice where you play your games. It's easy to be there, and you can stay indoors the whole time you're walking around downtown when it's cold. Mm-hmm. But they're used to the cold anyway. They travel all these cold weather places. It, it, all that's left now is to get an owner and a, and a management group and a coach all on the same page. Uh, again, look at Golden State. They, they, it's a very attractive place to live 
outside of how expensive it is. And until they got ownership, management, coach all on the same page, they just were a tease. And, and as soon as they got those guys in place and found themselves an amazing coach and very smart management and ownership group that, that did a lot of smart things, they're, they're the, the best team in the world. They have been for some time with a, with a good future. Um, Minneapolis may not be able to do that because you got to get lucky a little bit too, but they certainly should be, uh, uh, with the talent they have, a, a team that's competing for the Western Conference Championship every year. Uh, they just have to make the right decisions. I'll leave you after this. Who are some of those other, or I guess what other cities are some of those free agent destinations? You know, you laid out Golden State for, for all the obvious reasons. Maybe some under-the-radar ones. Like, one that strikes me is one we, we briefly talked about, your neck of the woods. To me, Miami. Like, Spolstra, the culture that they have in place, whatever culture means, but that's a popular buzzword. Pat yeah. Riley, it seems to me from afar that Miami is a very stable organization. Now, I've been there, but I don't know what it's like to to live there, so I don't know some of those other aspects. But to me, if I were a free agent, and they don't have money, but but to me, the Miami Heat strikes me as a good organization that maybe has flown under the radar the last few years. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great organization, actually. Uh, there is a commitment to winning that's incredibly obvious there. I, I, I've had players, I think I've had players that have played for all 30 teams. I've never, never really counted it, but I think I've had it, and, and Minnesota, uh, uh, Miami's a team that uh, they check your body fat every couple of weeks. They're, they're conditioning year-round uh, uh, without it being such a grind. Maybe it's because it's Miami. It's such a beautiful place to live. My, my parents are from there. My brother lived there. I was just there two weekends ago. Uh, uh, it can be a hassle with driving, but if you have a bunch of money and can live near South Beach or downtown, it's a great place to be. The weather, of course, is great. Uh, there's there's really no negatives to it, uh, but it starts with ownership and management, kind of creating that, that feeling of we're going to outwork people. Our, our players going to be in incredible shape. Uh, we take care of them physically. That's a big deal. And under the radar one is Oklahoma City. Mm. Uh, I, I, I rank that about as high, maybe even number one. If you, wow. if you take away the Spurs and the Warriors, in terms of how they treat their players, they, they – are they go over the top in how they accommodate wives and girlfriends? Uh, they have spa days in their facility where um, you, you every kind of masseuse from from your, from you know people that help with your mind to regular masseuses uh, to um, all sorts of healers. They they lock you out of the gym some days, literally lock you out where you can't use your fingerprint or a password to get in because they just want you home and resting because they care about you. I, I think Sam Presti, he, who's getting kind of made fun of now for losing those MVPs or whatever, but uh, I, I know the real story behind all of it, and I don't know that Sam could have done much other than he probably should have traded Westbrook, not Harden. But, um, and then I think they would have kept Harden Durant. But they, they, it is a place where players feel like, wow, this is it, you know, it's not the easiest place to live. Oklahoma, isn't, it's not Minneapolis, but the fans are incredibly good. And, uh, and the players are treated incredibly well, like they are in San Antonio, which is another spot that the players know how lucky they are when they're there. By the way, Presti did draft three MVPs, right? I mean, you deserve some credit for drafting those guys. Yeah, but I mean, I, I give most credit for developing them. Harden, well, that too, yes. Harden was a passer, uh, a scorer passer that didn't really look to score much his first few years. He went from sixth man, uh, you know, he was sixth man of the year. And, and he just, well, honestly, it's not Sam Presti's fault that James Harden wanted to be the MVP of the league and lead the league in scoring. 
and there was never, ever going to be a chance to do that playing next to those two guys. So I don't think Sam had any choice, other than, like I said, in retrospect, he should have traded Westbrook. I think Westbrook is problematic and will always, probably always be problematic, whereas Harden Durant, you might have been able to work together without him. That's what I think. David, you're always so generous with your time. Always a pleasure to catch up, and I'll certainly be in touch in the near future. Great. Look forward to it. Thanks, Darren. He's as good as gold. It is David Thorpe. On Nemanja Bialica, certainly the Suns and the Jazz are among a few teams to keep an eye on. I heard maybe the Spurs as well. And I'm telling you, from everything that I can gather, he really likes it here in Minnesota. His family likes it here in Minnesota, but based on the minutes he got or lack thereof in the postseason against Houston and his minutes being all over the place during the regular season, I think he would be more comfortable elsewhere. I don't want to say that no way, no how does he want to be back in Minnesota, but I'm just telling you my sense is his preference is to be elsewhere. And what the Wolves do on Bielitsa, I think, will you know, depend on if they land one of these guys. Like, I think if they land Avery Bradley, who is realistic, I think they say, Nemanja, sorry, because, again, I don't have the sense that this is the summer that Glenn Taylor is willing to go into the luxury tax. So they only have so much room, so much maneuverability, before they would get into the luxury tax. A few more Wolves notes, and we'll call it a podcast We'll make this a Wolves podcast. The Wolves never came close on draft night to trading Gorgie Jang. Certainly his name came up. Teams were aware that he was available. There was that rumor about Atlanta potentially having interest in Gorgie with Kent Bazemore coming back here. I'm told those talks went absolutely nowhere. That trade did not come close. But teams are still aware that if they want Gorgie Jang at three years, nearly $50 million, that they can have him. But I think that is going to be, especially the way the league has gone the last couple years, going away from big men. Not that Gorgie can't stretch the floor to a degree, but but I would be surprised, unless the Wolves are taking back a ton of money, if they can move Gorgie Jang. European free agent from Australia, Ryan Brokoff, was in for a workout, a Wolves workout, an individual workout. He did not work out against any other free agents. I'm told he was in for a workout with the Wolves on Monday. He's got some other teams, including Milwaukee, sniffing around him. He is a guy that can shoot. He was lights out in his league overseas when it came to making three-pointers last year. He was like at a 50% clip right in that neighborhood. He is a stretch four, but he absolutely can shoot it. Okay, so the Wolves will have their full mid-level. I've gotten that question on Twitter a bunch. The Wolves will have, the short answer is the Wolves will have their full mid-level to use, which is approximately $8.5 million. Glenn Taylor, the owner, still is declining interview requests, but he was at the draft. All seems behind the scenes relatively well. I'm sure they don't agree on everything, but some of the issues that have been talked about going back to April, those seem to be things that are in the past. There isn't anything that's lingering that's, that's way up in the air. At this point. So I think it might not be kumbaya, let's hold hands. We're in unison on all fronts. But my sense is ownership, front office, all are on at least just about the same page as I record this on the 26th of June. On the Wolves assistant coach front, signs still point to John Lucas III eventually getting promoted. Some other notes before I get to some free agent buzz. I'm sort of burying the lead, but I scribbled a bunch of notes here before I need to get to a couple events, including the Wolves press conference. 
later today. Cole Aldrich is out of his walking boot after that platelet-rich plasma injection for a previous Achilles injury. Signs still point to the Wolves parting ways with Cole. We would know that Cole won't be back next year at almost $7 million. The deadline, remember, it was not June 20th, as a lot of outlets reported. It is Saturday, June 30th. And Justin Patton, speaking of walking boots, is still sometimes in his walking boot, but sometimes out. But as Tibbs laid out last week, Patton will miss summer league. He may even miss a good portion of fall workouts. So not good when talking about a big man with a recurring foot injury. But make no mistake, there is skill there. Justin Patton, if healthy, can play. We are wondering about qualifying offers for Bielitsa, Marcus George's Hunt, and Emil Jefferson. I know the Wolves like Emil Jefferson. No reason not to extend him a qualifying offer. It's not for that much money. Bielitsa is the interesting one because then there's a cap hold. But then the Wolves do have his bird rights. So I guess I don't know why you wouldn't extend him a qualifying offer just to still have the option if you want to keep him just to see if you can land one of these wings, the Bradleys of the world. And if you do, then let Bielitsa sign an offer sheet somewhere else. Let him go. So I think you would extend him a qualifying offer, but his camp is unaware of what the Wolves are thinking on that front. All right. On, well, you know what? I got some draft notes. Let me get to the draft. They definitely were in on DiVincenzo. He goes to Milwaukee a few picks prior. I get the sense that DiVincenzo was above Okogie on the Wolves board. But, I mean, that's the way the draft goes when you're picking 20. Guys that you have ranked ahead of others are going to get plucked. They're going to get picked. So the Wolves never got a chance to gobble up DiVincenzo. What was interesting is three guys that went right around the Wolves pick never came in for workouts for different reasons. Anthony Simons. And Aaron Holiday and Lonnie Walker. Now, Lonnie Walker went 18 to San Antonio. The buzz all along was he was not getting to 20. He came close, but he wasn't getting to 20. Aaron Holiday is an interesting one because the Pacers at 23, I'm told, liked Okogie and liked Keita Bates-Dia, but they love Aaron Holiday. And Holiday was a guy that refused to work out for the Wolves. I know they tried to get him in, and for whatever reason or reasons, Holiday maybe just said, hey, look at the Wolves. They have Jeff Teague. Good chance Derrick Rose is back. They have Tyus Jones. I'm really more a point guard, even though I can play off the ball, but I'm not really a fit there in Minnesota. But for whatever reason or reasons, Aaron Holiday would not work out here. But the Pacers loved that he fell to 23. That, to me, is the guy to watch Let's see over the next few years what kind of player Aaron Holiday becomes and if the Wolves maybe swung and missed, you know, passing on him. But I know a lot of league people who like Okogie. So there's been a lot of negativity, at least the night of the draft on Josh. But I'm telling you, a lot of league people are very intrigued by Josh, the Wolves' number one pick. On Keita Bates-Diop, the buzz is that teams, in fact, I heard this from one team that picked in the second round before the Wolves, that there were some medical red flags. He suffered a very serious injury a couple years ago, so there were some question marks about that. So I think that, as much as anything, led to him falling to 48. But when you can get the Big Ten Player of the Year, I was texting with Ben Johnson the night of the draft, former Gophers assistant, now lead assistant at Xavier. He's been on this podcast. Ben was gushing about how good Kata Bates-Diop is. He could not believe that he fell to the Wolves. So the Wolves were very smart to gobble up Bates-Diop once he fell that far. On Gary Trent Jr., Apple Valley native, he was in Portland for a workout a couple weeks ago. I'm told the Blazers love him. In fact, I think he'll have more of an impact right away than Simon. So it's good for Gary. Even though he went in the second round, he went to a team that absolutely loves him. Pre-draft, 
They were on him as much as anybody. J.P. McCura of Lakeville North signs a two-way deal with Charlotte. I'm told the Wolves did not have interest in McCura. Zach Lofton, Columbia Heights High School alum. He is playing summer league with the Detroit Pistons. Nuni Oma, Matamidi High School alum, is playing summer league with the Golden State Warriors. Okay, on Joe Harris, the initial buzz is the Wolves are not one of a number of teams to have interest. Now, me personally, I love Joe Harris as a fit here. Now, this could all change in the coming days, but as I sit here on the 26th of June, late in the morning, I'm telling you, the Wolves are not among teams. I can tell you some teams. The Pacers have interest in Harris. The Nets have all sorts of interest in keeping Harris. The Lakers are a team to watch. The Spurs are a team to watch. The Rockets, there's a few others, but the Wolves so far, there isn't a sense league-wide that the Wolves are in on Joe Harris. But again, you swing and miss. You make a bunch of calls on Saturday night when the live period starts. Maybe that changes. But I'm just telling you right now, there is zero Joe Harris Wolves buzz. I also brought up the name Jeremy Grant with David Thorpe. That's an under-the-radar free agent that I would keep an eye on when it comes to Minnesota. I'm just saying if they can't get Avery Bradley, I don't think Trevor Ariza is realistic. I don't think Wayne Ellington is leaving Miami. So you keep going down the list. I don't know you go down the list that far to get the Jeremy Grant's name. So I'm just telling you, keep an eye on Jeremy Grant and Wolves' interest. He's not a name that's been on lists. You haven't seen his name much in the Twitter sphere and all that, but I'm just telling you, I'm convinced to a large degree that Jeremy Grant is very much on the Wolves' radar. I don't know how they have all these guys ranked. I do think there's going to be a lot of interest in Avery Bradley, maybe some others. I'm just telling you, though, keep an eye on Jeremy Grant. All right, we're at the 45-minute mark. I think that's plenty for a Wolves-centric podcast. My hope is either Friday or Saturday when I'm anchoring on Channel 5, I can find the microphone to record not only something on the Wolves, but maybe a Twins update, some of the high school elements I have. So my hope is I can get to Scoop Podcast episode 157 before I'm out of the office for a good eight to nine days. But hopefully you enjoyed this one. That will do it for Scoop Podcast episode 156. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.